I heard about those guys, the paper boys. Gosh, you really don't want to fuck with them. The paper boy, yes, that's crazy. Welcome to No Cap Radio. Sit back, pour yourself a drink, and then enjoy this moment brought to you by the Paperboy Club. Let's rise and shine. Hello, Mason. Thank you. Thank you very much for being here today with us. I appreciate you having me. Thank you. I'm Mason, and uh, I am uh, representing the Genuine Undead today. And yeah, I'm uh, stoked to be here, stoked to talk about a little bit about myself and a little bit how I got here. So yeah, thanks for having me. Thank you. That's an honor to talk to you uh, today. Maybe to start, may you introduce yourself to those who may not know you? What's yeah, your absolutely. background? What you were passionate about? Absolutely. So I come from the uh, entertainment background. Um, I spent, I went to school for uh, film and screenwriting. I graduated with kind of a bachelor's in creative producing. And then I, you know, very quickly moved up, uh, moved to LA and just jumped into the entertainment world and was working in a production for a long time. So I was doing that up until COVID. And I've always been kind of that like creative, always kind of been more of a producer, like creative minded and always creative processing, but more so from a standpoint of bringing people together and creating like a project or creating a film or creating a team that's going to fulfill a certain task of some sort. So for me, this is kind of like a very natural, I would say, situation. And so, yeah, anyway, I, I was in film first and then COVID hit. I ended up coming back to New York for a while and uh, just started kind of exploring what I wanted out of life and trying to identify the things that really made me happy as much as I knew I loved to create and I knew I wanted to be in, you know, the creative industry in some fashion. I wasn't completely sold on, you know, what I had experienced in the film industry thus far. And when I found Web3, it was it was kind of random. I had the horse blinders on for a while because I was in crypto. You know, I've, I'm, I've always been a very curious person. And I would say I'm always investigating things probably more so than your average person. And so I remember getting into crypto pretty early, 2015, 2016. And unfortunately, I was one of those early adopters that just made mistakes and walked out of that whole phase with no money at all. So I kind of had a bit of trauma from it. So when NFTs came out, I really wanted nothing to do with it. I had no interest really uh, <laughs> doing the research because I knew it was going to be a rabbit hole that I would fall into. And I just personally had no interest in falling down another rabbit hole where I was going to get burned again. But um, that being said, I follow and I'm, I'm friends with a lot of artists in the real world. And when I started seeing them start to get involved and start to, you know, build communities around their art, I couldn't help but say, okay, I gotta, I gotta check this out. And so I would say November 2021 was kind of when I entered, started doing research. I had no idea what it was. I had no idea what was going on. It felt like I was back in college because the amount I was learning every day. And I was just astonished. I was astonished to see people come together and communicate and get to know one another and bond and really just like socialize on a digital level from all over the world, all over time zones, 
all different languages, all different walks of life. And I, to me, it just hit me. Like, I didn't think at the time that the majority of the space kind of realized what was going on. But for me, I was just like, wow, like, look, if there's, if you can get 300 people right now to do one thing and mind you when i got into this it was kind of like the bull run and so you, you were getting thousands of people to do something you know oh you got a giveaway a thousand people are going to retweet it four thousand people are going to whatever it was just it was insane and so to me i i thought about action and change and in order to enact change you need people and you need movement yeah. from them and so i just saw this space as absolute game changer in that I saw an opportunity where people were going to be able to work together on a level that we've never seen on the planet before. And to me, I just kind of as soon as I kind of had that epiphany, I dropped everything and said, Okay, I want to do everything I can to learn as much as I can about being as available as I can to, you know, kind of learn and develop myself within this space. That's very interesting. Because um Lots of people came to Web3 for uh, trading opportunities. That's something uh, Punk65 tonight told once. Most of the people came in Web3 for trading, but uh, you came for uh, for the community aspect of it and, and the love of uh, art. What kind of um, art uh, did you like in real, I mean, well, traditional well, art? It's interesting. It's actually a good question. It's interesting because like, I was following a lot of these artists that are now doing NFTs on Instagram for years prior because I, that there were no NFTs. There were like the way that these artists were getting their art out was Instagram. And, you know, I knew a bunch of them because a bunch of them lived in LA and, you know, it was just, a, it, it was a smaller community than you'd think. And so as I started to see that, like people within that community start to talk about NFTs, I started paying attention because I was like, okay, I, I mean, I'm going to be honest, like the board ape art never really, tickled my fancy and of course yeah i knew they were worth a lot of money and at that point again it would just reminded me of the crypto past days where i missed out so i had no real desire to invest in nfts and i didn't really believe in like a jpeg picture i didn't really understand that but when i got here and i understood that look this an nft is not necessarily a, a jpeg picture but instead it's it's an entry point into your network right and You've heard that, I'm sure, in your lifetime, you know, your, your net worth is only as good as your network. Yes. And so sure. for me, I looked at that and I was like, look, this is especially given, you know, I'm a, I'm a pretty social person. I am an introvert, believe it or not, but I'm a pretty social person and I really do care about people. I like nurturing relationships and I like taking care of people and helping them solve problems and When I left LA and, you know, I'm back in New York now, I'm in a pretty small town now. So I'm not really surrounded by all that many friends and I don't have as much of a, a support group that I have back on the West Coast. And so for me, it was really important when I got into this and I started making friends and I started learning again and I started getting a brand new perspective on a world that I had never even knew existed For me, it kind of saved me because I needed that. I needed that constant conversation. I needed that constant like pushing of ideas because instead what happens? Instead, you just end up on Instagram looking at your friends' lives and comparing, oh, this is my situation. This is theirs. And you know what? Like I'm too old to be doing that. So you you came into NFTs in, uh, in 2021. Then uh, one year later, Jenny uh, Nunted, 
have been minted. What, uh, how did you hear about uh, Genuine Undead? Because it, it was, it seems it has been very confidential um, before the, the minting phase. And um, what did you like about this collection? Yeah, I mean, I'm going to be honest. So, like, during that time, I was pretty down bad. You know what I mean? So, look, look, my whole thing was, like, I minted an invisible friend. That was, like, my first initial Web3 win. I won right from the get-go. Like, that was the first mint I ever did. And That's a really great. Right. <laughs> That's a I really great mint. Like, I was so, like, I told you I wasn't there for the money. I was there for the community. So, I didn't sell. I didn't sell it at the top. I should have. You know what I mean? But instead I held on to it because I was like, oh my God, the community opportunity here. Right. And that, yes, was uh, kind of the, that was kind of the lesson that I learned was realizing that a lot of these companies and projects were preaching community, but really they were just shilling another product and shout out to them. Like I, I'm not saying anything bad about them, but for me, it was a big lesson of having to learn the expectations, you know, what this space is all about. So when Genuine Undead came around, I still had my invisible friend, actually. I think it was worth like a third or a fifth of what it was worth when it minted. And I didn't really have any other NFTs. I had just, uh, like I was working at the time. I was helping a buddy out, running his company out here. And, you know, I was just kind of passing the time, trying to just learn as much as I could about Web3. But I didn't really have any money to be putting into Web3. You know, my budget was pretty tight. My work that I was doing was during the summer. And so I was kind of budgeting for my next like winter months because I, I kind of switch over to freelance. And so I was trying to just be very smart and cautious. So anyway, Genuine Undead comes out. And the week before I had made this big move where I had gotten into this community, I thought this community was really cool. They were trying to mix music and art. And again, I thought they had all the right ingredients, but for whatever reason, they just didn't. And I don't know. So I was down pretty bad on that one because I put that was like the first time since like coming into the space that I actually like purchased ETH. You know what I mean? And yes, uh, yes like I, I do. I finally like actually put real money in. So I purchased ETH. I bought into this collection thinking this is going to do well and it just completely died. And I was just like, oh my God. So now I'm like down bad. Don't want to even tell my girlfriend that kind of thing. So Genuine Undead comes out and I see... Bingo, Bongo, who I'm sure you know. He's I do, yes, for sure. He's, he's retweeting like every sale. And I'm like, all right, this is for sure a scam. I love Bingo. I had known Bingo since the Invisible Friend days. Like we go way back. And for whatever reason, whenever I see people just like retweeting sales bots, I'm like, oh, they're just trying to pump their bags. Like this is a, this is a scam. And <laughs> so I completely dismissed it. I didn't even like give it the time of day. And then later that day, I was sitting at work and I was just like back scrolling and I saw somebody else like retweet it. And I was like, damn, the art is kind of cool. Like, and I don't really like pixel art, but I was like, damn, the art is really cool. And then I was just sitting there and then I picked up one, picked up one. And I was just like, oh, I just, I'll have one. And then it just kind of hit me. Like the sales started flying a little bit and I was like, wait, is, is this an actual thing? And then, you know, people started talking on Twitter. So I started buying more. And that was kind of how I got started. But for me, it was it was something that was like completely didn't see it coming, wasn't expecting it to happen. And then once we started having the conversations in the spaces and I saw that this was an opportunity to create, you know, exactly what I had been looking for from the get go, which was really strong community that was willing to kind of build itself when I was trying to 
understand Web3 and I had just gotten into like the Invisible Friends and RCC community, I can't tell you how many times I reached out to them saying like, hey, I want to help. Hey, I want to help. I've got this idea. I got this idea. And I just, it always went to deaf ears and I just didn't understand. I didn't understand why this giant community who has all of these quote unquote holders that essentially want to work for free, like why you wouldn't deploy that? You know, it just didn't make sense to me. And so when Genuine Undead came out, we started having conversations about the experiences that we had in Web3 and some of our projects and, you know, how we could have made certain things better. And what we realized is the best project would have been one where we can all just contribute to it. You know what I mean? Where we don't have to rely on one individual to try to bring us to, you know, the glory, but instead everyone coming up with a um, concerted effort to try to push it forward and having that unity. So yeah, that's kind of where it all started. And, and not to mention the green papers, you know, I think the green papers really set that tone. I think that really reaffirmed what the possibilities this collection and this community could be. Yes, the green papers are very, very inspiring. Just let me um, uh, get, get back a little in the time. When you entered, you know, in Web3 uh, is... Um, Lots of about community. When you entered a genuine dead, it was um, you were following some friends, or um, or you were attracted by the pixel art because you you thought that pixel art was not quite your favorite, right? Yeah, I mean, I I definitely wasn't following friends. None of my friends bought it. It took forever. Like Bingo was the only person I knew that bought it. And again, when I first saw it, I thought it was a scam. And then once I bought it. You know, I was telling other people, I was like, yo, this is like a free mint. It's super cheap. These things are awesome. And people were like, yeah, it's a free mint. It's going to be dead. I'm not wasting my money. So I definitely wasn't following friends. I was just, you know, I don't know. I got inspired by the art. Like it started to give me really creative ideas. And once the first week went by and like Web3 a week is like a month, but that first week went by and the community started to form and we started having those spaces every day and we started having those conversations. I just went all in and I remember... The floor price was like 0.01 or 0.02, and I just went and bought my Lou for 0.3 because I was like, oh, man, I'm, I'm doing this. You know what I mean? Yes. Do you remember what was your very, very first genuine uh, NFT? Yes, do I you, do. Do you still have it? I do, yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah, I would never sell it. <laughs> okay. To be honest, I, I feel you on this because um, I... Uh, as far as I can remember, I never made a, a good flip. And uh, yeah, when I, I purchase an NFT, it's uh, for me, it's still a piece of art. And uh, most of the time, I don't want to sell it. And it's especially genuine and dead, I think. My first one, by the way, was 3890. 3890. Let's just take a second to check this. I just opened my. Uh, my open C, Okay, nice shades. Yeah, he's got the shades and the cigarette. I don't know why. I just I I love them. I love the bald head. What are your favorite traits on this collection? It's interesting, you know. It's like since we've been here, it's changed so much. Like when I first got into Genuine Undead, I wasn't even like the Lou thing came after. Like it was like a first. Like I liked the lose, but the first things that I thought were going to be like the cream of the crop of the collection were three T's. Like I wasted so much. I don't say wasted, but I spent so much money in the beginning. On three T's? Like I just mean, yeah, I bought so many three T's for like six times the floor where I could have bought 
six floors, which who knows what they'd be worth now. You know what I mean? Yes. So I just spent it like, I don't know why I was grail shopping. So I had a lot of three T's for a while, but then three T's became really boring for me. You know, it became like, ah, like everybody was getting three T's and I was just like, all right. And then started really liking the Harry's. Harry was always getting a lot of hate. Nobody was giving him love. And so I was like, you know what? I'm going to give Harry some love. But the thing with the traits is it's I'm still a bit astonished by the fact that we're 10 months in and on a daily basis, we're still talking about traits. We're still talking about clothing. We're still talking about colors. We're still talking about different combinations of things because it really is just so intricate and really does create such a different experience based off of what genuine undead you're referring to. So for me, I don't know. I have a lot of traits that I love. I, I'd i say most of them. There are traits that I don't love. Like, I'm going to be honest with you guys. Like, I haven't fallen in love with the PW cap yet. But a little alpha, like the lore, you know, like the stories that I've been writing, like the PW cap is really important. So I'm hoping to change that. But I don't know. There's certain things that still just I haven't completely fell in love with yet. Yes, I really do understand that because um, I watch uh, the collection uh, pretty much every day and uh, the floor twice or three times a day. And uh, it changes. Uh, at first, for example, I like uh, the Fleming Punks and the Cyberpunks. And then uh, now I uh, I really enjoy the classic one, uh, like the tea now, the cowboy art sometimes. It changes. And... Uh, at first, I didn't like the PWK, but uh, now I do. You know, so and, you and you know, and you know, what's funny too is like I'll give you an example, like the Paper Boys. They're not like the Paper Boys, and you want to know why? It's not because I don't like the Paper Boy hat. It's because I've never seen Peaky Blinders. Not because I don't like it. It's just because you know sometimes there's just shows where you know you're gonna have to commit a serious amount of time, and I just haven't had the time to commit to it, and so. Just because of that, I'm just like, ah, nope, don't want a Paperboy. But then the Paperboys come out and make the Paperboys community, and now they're, like, all so fucking sick. And I'm kind of sitting here, like, I'm always looking at OpenSea. Every time I'm about to buy a Paperboy, somebody snipes the one that I'm about to get. And so, I don't know, It, I, I feel like I've had very bad luck with them, but I know I'm going to get the one. I know I'm going to get one eventually. I'm just waiting for the right one. Yes, I... I bought mine uh, twice or three times at the floor, I think, because um, that was the one I wanted. And uh, what I did like first, because to be honest, I uh, didn't watch the Picky Blinders uh, too. I watched the, the first season, but I just couldn't get into the, the second one. But um, what I do like in the Paperware traits is it's um, it's the fact that the cap... Gosh, let me just depot masks the um, half of the of the eye you know and it gives um to the face um a different look that um in my opinion i don't uh i couldn't find in other traits that the the thing i like about uh about the paper boy it gives a a singularity in the look and the fact of i would it gives it like depth right gives it like a another layer of depth Yes, Which is maybe still yes. just so crazy on a on a twenty four by twenty four grid. But now I'm obsessed with the T. I'd like to get a T. Ah. May I, it may it may change. That's because of the movie Taxi Driver, I guess. 
Okay. I mean, hey, that's a great reference. Uh, I think I hope it was a reference uh, for the artist, but um, Liquidity Art uh, told me the other day that uh, for him it was most Mr. T for from the the TV show from the early eighties. The the eighties. Who knows? We don't know. I I think it's uh, Robert De Niro. That's why well, I, I think, want I think to it could be. I mean, it could be Saigo. Could be a self-portrait of Saigo. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, for sure. So, um, uh, by the way, how would you describe the whole collection to someone who who don't know don't know it? When you say that, am I describing like the or the community? The art. The art. At first, I got to be honest. I didn't really understand pixel art to the extent that I do now. And it was, I forgot who it was in the early months that kind of broke it down for me and really explained to me kind of what this artist had done with the pixel art, especially with the shading and the light and coming from like a film background, understanding just how much goes into lighting and gaffing and things like that on a, on a film set. You have to kind of admire the fact that this artist took the exact same kind of approach in regards to how they went about shading this as well. And I think that's why it stands out so much is because they were trying to really think about this from an IRL perspective. So if I were to describe it, I would honestly say this is the Mona Lisa of pixel art. Oh, yes. That's a you know? good description. Because it's like, it's got that pose, the eyes follow you. Like, it's literally like, if you had to describe, okay, so if I had to describe it, it would be the Mona Lisa of pixel art. But instead of Mona Lisa, it's a bunch of genuine undead. I shouldn't uh, share my opinion is because it's not the point, but I'm a big fan of pixel art and especially the Invader work. And mm-hmm. uh, I really do like the CryptoPunks too. But uh, as far as I know, it's the very first time I see pixel art that rich with all those shades and all those details in a... Uh, 24 24 square because it's still very small to put all those details well i think the other thing too that's been really reassuring not well reassuring sure but i mean let's be honest how many derivatives have we seen of genuine undead that have tried but no one has come close to making anything that even seems remotely oh yeah that that, yeah that's a very good point indeed Pretty you know, much like, think about, all like, the collection has have a derivative except this one. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, sure, we have derivatives, but none that like none that are just that aren't just copy pasted and then someone just changes a little couple of the traits kind of thing. But like a real like, hey, I want to make a pixel collection based off of the art style of genuine undead, but an original version of that. No one's done that because it's so hard. Yeah, for sure. It's very impressive to watch. The collection is very impressive to watch. All started um, on August 2022, almost a year ago. And um, it seems that the project launched with a power that surprised even the, the artist, by the, by the way. How you do, would you describe the growth of the community from the beginning to now? How would you describe the community? Because there's a very strong community and everybody seems to agree with with this and very very dedicated maybe most than uh, lots of other projects 
Yeah, well, I'd say it was very organic. There was nothing really being promised here, and there was no there's no real end result. It was more of an opportunity, and that opportunity was to show up and get to know each other and see if we could build something together. And so I think just by being consistent with that and being open to listening and connecting with people all over the world, we've been able to create a very organic unit. And I think that is what makes us so strong, if you will, in regards to, in regards to how it like, like in my head, I don't know what the artist's intention is, but in my head, the way that I see it is that the artist is probably, I don't know. I'm just going to speak. I, I don't know if this is what I believe or whatnot, but this is just what I kind of feel is that the artist is a bit of a genius, right? And I think the artist was very aware of ego and very aware of humans and very aware of just psychology. And so regardless, I think this artist put this out there, right? And regardless of whatever his intent was, whatever he was going to do is irrelevant. But whatever he did, what he did is what's important. And what he did was, you know, he communicated with those three green papers, essentially saying that GU could be used as a carrier to kind of like bring these ethos. And I think for me, the reason why it's so fascinating is because you think about everyone else in the space and you think about all the influencers and all the other founders and stuff like people would jump at the opportunity to be this guy. You know, he's made just this incredible collection. People are begging him to come out and talk, and say what's been going on. Like he could be the literally the number one artist in the space right now if he really wanted to. But instead, he's not making it about him, right? Instead, it's just this anonymous artist and it stops at that. Sure, you can use your imagination. You can go down whatever rabbit hole you want. But again, you have no proof. And what it forces the community to do is focus on the art, not on who made the art. And so the art no, no longer has anything to do there is no connection to the person who made it anymore, right? Because there's no real understanding of who that person is or why they did what they did. We can only kind of move forward with what we've been given. And so to me, I feel like there's this genius level understanding of human psychology and understanding that if you really want people to focus on the art, you've got to remove yourself, right? And it's interesting, you know, there's a movie that's very pertinent to this. It's like, uh, it's called Room 237. It's about The Shining. And it's a documentary and it's, it interviews all these different people that are experts on The Shining. And they all start telling about what The Shining's about and, you know, what Stanley Kubrick was intending to uh, communicate with different shots and different, like, hidden things within the movie. And you're like, you know, halfway through the movie, you're like, holy shit, this is crazy. Like, I had no idea The Shining was about World War II or, or you know, the uh, genocide of, you know, Native American. Like, I had no idea it was about this. But then you start getting a little further in the movie and you start to realize that these people are full of shit. Like, they have no idea what they're talking about. And it's kind of this big recognition that, look, once you make art, it's no longer yours, right? Once you've made the art and you put it out there, however people experience it, no matter how meticulously you set that up and how well intended or how well structured you put it so that people experience the experience exactly how you want them to, they're always going to experience it in the way that they do. 
it's never going to be exactly how you want it to be. And therefore, I think there's this kind of genius level understanding of art and of creation. And by removing the who, we all we have is to focus on the what. Yes, that's very interesting. There, there is a, um, when you say remove the who, you, um, you talk about uh, each community member or the who uh, as uh, the artist. The artist. Okay. Yeah, meaning like, look, so let's hypothetically say the artist comes out, his name's James Schmo, right? And then we find out James Schmo went to college at Schmo College. And James Schmo is a pretty ordinary guy. But then, you know, some girl is like, oh, shit, or some guy is like, oh, shit, James Schmo is starting to get blown up. I'm going to I'm gonna send some screenshots of James Schmo that he said this to me, blah, blah, blah. Now there's a bunch of drama in the news and James Schmo, and now people are like, fuck this. I don't want this art anymore. It's James Schmo sent that fucking screenshot to this person in 20 years. You know what I mean? So I guess that's a very extreme example, but my point is, By attaching yourself to any type of creation, you're tainting that creation to the the individual that created it. And I don't know if that is necessarily what the intention of art is. Yes, that's an interesting point indeed. There is a sentence written in the green paper the artists have been written. It says... Some say decentralization is just a pretext for anarchists. I say they are just afraid of the power of individual. The collection is um, administered by uh, by the community, and um, there is a very uh, strong f feeling of a community. And um, when you enter the genuine that community, you instantly feel to be part of something powerful and and feel that you have the chance to have a role to play within isn't the that, community. Isn't that so huge? Isn't that such a huge, like that in itself is such a utility. Like think about how many people are just searching for that alone. They go to work every day. They go to the bar with their friends. They go out with their wife. They play with their kids. And yet they still don't have that feeling of like that purpose that like, oh, that I want to do something, you know, like just think about how important that is. Yeah, it is. Yeah, for sure. I I do think I I I felt this. Uh, you, you have the um, you have a voice that could be heard within this community. Definitely. The artist said, said uh, also in the green paper um, that you is a symbol of resistance, rebirth, challenging the impossible. Can you tell us, for those who don't know much about the Green Papers, um, what it's about? It sounds uh, like an ode to independence. And the artist, by the way, refers uh, to um, uh, 76, the independence. That's something uh, that seems to be very much in the air about you. Yeah, I think I think definitely. I think it's there's definitely a revolutionary tone that is in GU. But at the same time, I think there is an incredibly loving and compassionate tone that's in GU too. You know, I think there's this incredible paradox is that you have these skulls, right? Which in many ways, people look at skulls and are just intimidated and think, you know, scary action, drama, horror, whatever, right? Death. But we're this paradox. We're the genuine undead. You know what I mean? It's kind of the perfect name. And 
this paradox, what we're looking at is like, if you think about our community, like we're one of the most welcoming, positive and just open minded communities that are trying to be, you know, stewards of this space, trying to be the quote unquote genuine on dads and make sure that we are being responsible and, and looking out for the next generation that is undoubtedly going to be in this space and, you know, using this technology day in and day out. We're kind of here at the forefront making sure that, you know, the things that are going to be available are going to be safe and sustainable for that. You are the, you are the very special in the in this community because uh, you're actually leading it, uh, the collection. What was your, uh, your path uh, in this community and um, what motivated you to, to take all these responsibilities? Well, I don't, I don't necessarily think I'm leading it so much. I, I feel so more is that I'm serving it. And I just, to me, like I said, I, I came here because I believe in the power of individuals. I believe in the collective power, empowering everyone to like feel that they are capable of things. And that has a momentous effect when you start to really change people's outlook. Like we just talked about, when you give people purpose and confidence and make them feel good like think about how many people have come up to a genuine undead space and that's the first time they've ever talked on a twitter space you know what i mean and we're helping their public speaking skills just think about what that's going to do next time they go to the store next time they go and gas whatever they do in the world they're the person that is interacting with them is going to benefit now because their social skills are getting better and so to me i just i look at what we're doing here and every single minute And every single idea and every single thing that we're doing here, I see it contributing to the overall benefit of our personal growth as well as like our communal growth. Okay, that's very uh, focused on, on the community with the, at the center of it, uh, mind-blowing pixel. Then just, uh, yeah, push the concept of decentralization to the point of let, letting the community administer the collection and which gave rise of the of the Nine Council. C can you explain uh, what are the Nine Council and how uh, they work? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, well, the, the Undead Council was definitely started as, you know, a way to try to organize a lot of the things that were going on. And originally, Dr. Boom was kind of the one leading and running everything. He was the one who started the Discord and kind of facilitated all the, the early stages of implementing all the structures that I guess we have. So the Undead Council was something that was kind of born out of necessity, needing support and needing a team to kind of think about certain and specific things that a community needs to be considering at all times. So I think initially it was set up with the right intention. It was set up to try to give the community a voice, especially when it comes to different things like marketing and gaming and literature and finances, all of that kind of stuff. But I think what we've learned through that is the way we set it up, we, we kind of learned a lesson is that when we first set up the council, we kind of created, we created a system where we took people that we knew and we trusted that kind of had a skill set in a certain area. And we essentially just kind of put them in the place of like council elect, if you will, of that council and basically said, okay, you're the head of this council. So everybody who wants to be in this council is your responsibility. And that was basically it, right? And I think we failed them in many ways because I think what happened was it was very top down. Whereas what I'm realizing now is this community is very much 
built off the back of like work groups and small groups of people who work together really well and are willing to put in time and energy into completing a certain task. And so I think the way that we should have went about the councils a little bit more instead of just electing, you know, people to uh, just oversee and manage the council is to instead kind of present different tasks, different things that we were looking to try to accomplish, and then try to form different work groups around those tasks. And through that, we would naturally see who was kind of taking the lead and, you know, who wasn't. And so I think we've kind of reassessed how we're going about the council right now. We've talked about flattening it, which is pretty much has been done. I'd say there's no real top to the council. It's more just a a group of individuals who are all looking to protect the community's best interests. And I think they all represent different areas of that. But I think as we continue, we're going to continue to involve the governance, continue to listen to the community and listen to, you know, what is necessary, because ultimately, like those green papers said, what we're trying to do is cultivate the power of the individual. Yes, that's um, may look uh, as a deal. Actually, uh, to let people know, every single GU holder can come with an ID, cheat into the vote on the Discord. I mean, it's not a vote. If it reach, gosh, I don't know how to say, explain this in English. So somehow put it in into the vote, and then there will be a, a discussion about it to make it happen or not, right? Yep. For the most part, yep. So every holder has a voice. And, can, uh... and the other thing, too, is like I'm available for the most part 24-7. Like we're not just about everyone that is involved in Genuine Undead. Like my DMs go off and they don't stop going off. So it's not – I try to make myself as available. I think we as a community try to make ourselves as available as possible. And we're constantly – looking for people to give constructive criticism and looking to give feedback. You know, there's several threads where the entire idea is to, you know, help us get better. Lots of um, ideas are coming up, uh, especially those days. Are there uh, any that particularly grab your attention and interest from your very personal point of view? For me, I'm really focused on building like a a long-term brand and building a long-term audience for that brand. I think that's what the real opportunity is here. But at the same time, we're up against the giant obstacle, which is the fact that Web3 is so short-sighted and everyone still kind of views this as a casino. And so for me, I'm most excited to really just continue building out the IP and building out the things that I think are really going to push this brand forward. I think you saw T and I put out that video last week on the Genuine Times and yes, working on a bunch for sure. more stuff. With that in mind, as well as, you know, trying to figure out how we're going to deliver the overall lore. And so for me, I'm really focused on content. I really want to focus on the content of Genuine Undead, which is tough because it's not something that's necessarily going to directly double the floor price or increase our investment by anything. But the more content we have, the more consistent we continue to be, the more our empire grows. You know what I mean? And so it's a long-term vision. And I, I just, I hope to communicate that in a way where holders and community members can understand. Yes. Um, you just um, talk about uh, Dolor and um, and that's very, something very exciting for me because I'm, um, I'm a former uh, role player and I love uh, 
that is about uh, lore. How would you do? Would you describe the lore of the near and dead? How would I describe it? Say, it's a world where the ordinary meets the extraordinary, where the veil of reality is lifted to reveal a hidden truth. Okay. You know what I okay. Mean? Yeah, I do. I would, I, say, do. I would say it's a saga about ordinary people who embark on an extraordinary journey, uncovering a conspiracy at the heart of existence and coming together as a community. In the collection, um, that's some, some, most of the older know that, but um, there are uh, two different time frames that are uh, described on the on the each uh each nfts the past the future but not uh not the present is this um something that that is a strong part of the law the time yes. yes very much so you know i think what we're realizing is this art is incredibly inspiring for a lot of people and so a lot of people are getting ideas on different lore and different stories that they want to write which is awesome And I think it really does give that opportunity. I think, you know, for me, I definitely saw an opportunity there. And I definitely saw once Stephen and I started working together on writing kind of our version of, of the lore, I really started to just fall in love with this world that we were building. But I think the really cool aspect is that this is a community and that there's going to be different takes on this story and different takes on what this whole collection is all about. So You know, I think the cool thing about it is, for me anyway, the way that we've been trying to go about our story is trying to make it as open as possible so that anyone who wants to kind of tell a story within our world can, because our world is pretty much very open-ended and you can pretty much fit anything into it at any point in time. So we really wanted to make something that was very open and very like ripe to just come in and add on to. So we'll see how it's received, but I'm, I'm excited. And I know that a lot of people are working on a lot of things. And I think that's just a testament to how inspiring this art is. Okay. The wisdom law comes story. And um, in your opinion, what would be the better way to display, to display the story? Uh, what do you mean? I mean, um, would it be a book, a film? You, you come from the film, movie I industry? Think be, I think whenever you're building an IP, you know, you, you start small and you've got to continuously build up. Eventually there's more and more and more and more. But like, if you think about any of your favorite things, they either started with a comic or a comic strip or a photo or a picture or a story, you know what I mean? And so you just got to start somewhere really small and then just start to build up. I think... The way that I see it right now is that we've gotten the written aspect pretty much down for a lot of the stuff already. So now to me, the next aspect is like, oh, a visual component. So a comic is kind of the low hanging fruit there from a visual standpoint. But as we grow this IP and as we start to bring in more revenue, the amount of options and the amount of mediums that we get to tell this story through becomes much greater, right? Because then you can start getting into gaming. You can start getting into all different types of mediums that are going to help unfold this story in alternative ways. Okay. There is something... Uh, yeah, the collection is about passion. And something happened um, on uh, last September 22 in the collection. It was the, the burnt of the legendary war. There are 
eight legendary NFTs in this collection, right? And uh, the war one have uh, have been burned. May you tell tell about this story and how it happened, and how did you feel when it felt when it happened? Yeah, no, absolutely. So war was a legendary war at the time. I believe was owned by VSI and Scale at the time was one of the big whales who had come in early. I think he at the time had owned, he owned Chaos and he owned Life, if I'm not. Or no, he owned Chaos and he owned Love. And so Scale had come in and tried to work with Genuine Undead about trying to set up like a channel in the Discord for Meadowin, which was, you know, a brand new company at the time. Now I'm sure everyone knows what Meadowin is. But at the time, yeah, he was for to, sure. like, you know, get in and make a Meadowin thing in the Genuine Undead Discord. And there was definitely a few people that were very against that. And there were some very, very, very reactive people who I shall not name that it led to Skell essentially getting banned from the Discord without really talking to him. And so in a reaction to that, Skell essentially made a deal with VSI to trade love for war. And so VSI and Skell made that trade. So now VSI holds love and now Skell holds war. And then Skell decided to send war to the burn address, which at the time like was like within 24 hours of like banning Skell from the Discord. So I remember it happening. And I remember not really wanting to ban Skell either just because it was so new. And I don't like, I like to give everyone the benefit of the doubt. And so when it happened, I was just like, oh my God. And then When war got burned, I was like, oh my God, what's happening? You know what I mean? But then it kind of like, it kind of, it, it sat there for a minute and it was just like, wait a minute, like he traded love for war to burn war. And then when we actually reached out to Skell and Skell said, look, you guys kind of like, yeah, I was a little pissed off, but like I was planning on doing this anyway. This is kind of like something that I really believe in. And he was talking about Ukraine and saying that he was from Ukraine and or had family in Ukraine and was against war. And he said that no one should own war. And so it just became this legendary moment, this legendary moment on the blockchain where, you know, love was traded for war and then war was burned because of the belief that no one person should own war. That's an, that's an amazing story. That's an amazing story for, for, for me. Okay. So uh, Mason, You may have seen someone else uh, jumped into in the space. Uh, it's actually Chris Bartlow, one of the co-founder of the Paperboy team, and uh, he may have uh, an alpha for you. He asked me um, to ask you to accept his uh, friend request on um, on Discord. Can you do that? Because yeah, no he may have some something no, to show you. Accepted. You will be uh, the very first to see this. I'm the first one to see this, huh? Getting sweaty palms. Even me, I, I, I couldn't. Something real secret that uh, Chris is uh, cooking right now. The paper boys in the hood. So is this a comic book you guys are working on? Yes. That's the, the first page of the comic book uh, Chris is actually uh, written. Wow. Love it. Love it. That's awesome. What? Uh, who's the artist? Uh, the artist is um, a is an, uh, a traditional artist uh, drawer. It's a woman that um, Chris Butler hired for this. And oh, I, he, like uh, I like her style a lot. 
and she worked uh, under his uh, supervision. You're so lucky to... I, I wish I could see this. Oh, you can't I mean, see it. You can't see it. No, huh? no, no. no. Oh, I, I mean, I, I saw a, a couple uh, a couple drawings, but uh, I couldn't uh, screen those. And uh, I uh, somehow signed the NDA not to to um, to save the files uh, and Chris uh, deleted it. This is very cool. Just, I love I love the cover. What's uh, what's the plan? When is this? When can we expect this? I really don't know. We should ask Chris. I think I heard um, he has uh, 17 pages ready so far, if I'm not wrong. Wow. Very nice. Very nice. Are you planning on kind of like minting it? Is the, I guess I'm asking, I should be asking Chris, but. As far as I understood, it should be displayed on the uh, digital, Mm -hmm. digital format as a comic book, but. It may be a physical book. I don't know yet. And I think he, uh, he didn't already decided. He didn't decide it yet. I hope it will be released very soon because I can't wait to read this. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. This, is, this looks really cool. Yes, I do think. I really can't wait. I'm happy, by the way, that he showed you this. Just take a second to send him a message. So I, this uh, this will be the radio. Oh, cool. So this is the podcast. Oh, very cool. Paperboys mixtape volume one. Very, very cool. Oh, he showed you the mixtapes also? He showed me, yeah. He's showing me where his beginning version of it. Yeah. There will be some uh, cool mixtapes uh, with the, the podcast on the Spotify channel too. And uh, they are very n- nice. It's been... Uh, I, I've been listening to, to those uh, pretty much all day, the... The last couple of days. Very nice. Chris is the boss and uh, I love his work. Yeah. Shout out to Chris. He's really making it happen. Yes, for sure. That's the message, uh, by the way, I uh, I said I just sent him to him. Bien wish patron. Means uh, well done, boss. Okay. So, yeah, we just talked about about the lore, the burnt of the war. There's also um, a loud event that happened uh a couple of weeks ago, you mentioned Dr. Boom earlier, and uh, his work for the community and the project has been huge. He was one of the important members of the community, and um, a couple of weeks ago, he, he left the project. How, how did you feel uh, about this? Um, sad, if I'm being honest. Sad because I think it's, you know, just a complex situation. I think that. Uh, Web3 is incredibly unforgiving, and I think Web3 in many ways has a terrible way of understanding certain aspects of things. But, you know, that being said, it made me really sad because, you know, for the last month or so prior to that happening, I've been really trying to work with Doc, trying to, you know, reestablish this connection within the community. I mean, I really felt like I was getting somewhere because it is so important. Web3 is all about your relationship with your community, with the people that are, are you're building with. And so it made me really sad. It made me really sad because of how the community decided to treat Dr. Boom in some circumstances. But it also made me really sad how Dr. Boom decided to react and respond to some of the community as well. And it was tough. It was really tough for me because I care about everyone involved. But at the same time, I think that 
ultimately the reason why I'm here is because I'm here for the community. I'm here to make sure that this this place is a safe place and is a place for us to carry on this ethos and make it a place that we all want to be. And unfortunately, I just I've it makes me sad that it came to the point where Doc felt he needed to leave as well as the community felt that was the best thing for everyone moving forward. So I think ultimately it makes me sad. I think Doc is a great guy. I think Doc has an incredible amount of things to offer and to give. But at the same time, I think leading a a Web3 community is very difficult. And I think looking at the way individuals handled themselves in times of this struggle, if you will, uh, it's, it's very clear to me that, you know, certain things needed to happen in order for us as a community to move forward. So I guess I'm not looking at it with regret. I'm looking at it as understanding that change is the only constant. We've just got to continue to move forward. Yes, it's a community and a, and a collection. This community and collection is very much about passion and indeed in human society, maybe with passion can come argument and maybe dispute sometimes you just i'm just getting back to this comics in the paper book club the the coming book will uh, will take a, an important part because uh, it's a way to to display the the lore and um i mean it will happen can we wait also for coming from genuine undead i'm sorry is it something yeah i said the the coming book will take um an important part in the in the paperboy club it's uh, something the watch caps are doing also will be there um, a coming book uh, from the lore of uh, genuine undead is it that something that will happen i sure as hell hope so i mean we've got four seasons outlined i have episodes one through four already fully written i've got the first episode already drawn out and done and so, yeah, I hope so. It's just now figuring out the best way to deliver it and put it out to the community. You know, I think there's one aspect of creating the content, then it's how do you deliver it and market it? Well, I can't wait either for this one. How do you see the collection in five years? I mean, this collection can uh, as what it takes to to become an emblematic face of uh, Web3. How do you see the next five years for the collection? The collection itself, I think, is just going to continue to grow in popularity and i'm sure it'll grow in price but in regards to where do i see this community i see this community starting to really branch out and create some incredible organizations that are going to push the overall collection forward i think you know we're starting to realize that genuine undead is kind of this network of different work groups and different communities in and of itself right we're all one big community but within this community we have little communities and those communities are starting to organize and starting to make things happen. And I think as we start to understand that, and as we start to really kind of see the value in all of us working together and promoting and creating things that inspire us, but also help push the overall ethos and ideas brought forth in the green papers forward that we're going to just, you know, it's just going to naturally and continuously expand in the right way. Okay, so you just mentioned uh, 
the sub communities actually there there are the loose the watch gap uh, the black suits which is the um, 115 club the paperboy club so all those sub communities are not a way to divide community actually but a way to to build small groups that work together right definitely and it's not only about traits right i just think the idea is like traits are just an easy way to get people together and start the conversation but it's all about that's why i love genuine on dad that's why i love the fact that we're constantly in voice chat just hanging out doing stuff because once you have that bond once you feel comfortable with people then you start to share things then you're like hey i've got this idea and the other person's like well i can help you with that and so that's what i want to continue to nurture is just these small groups whether it's from a trait group whether it's just couple of guys hanging out in VC, whether it's coming together and making a podcast, like there's so many opportunities for people to just continuously support each other's endeavors. And that's what I want to continue to empower. Yeah. And I love the watch cap um, comic pages. It's mind blowing. How do you see um, Web3 in the next five years? Because lots of people every three months are seeing uh Cryptos are down, NFTs are down, Web3 is over. How um, do you see the, I don't the, know. the I, space? I feel like I've just been here too long now. Like crypto's not going to die. If it was going to die, it would have died a long time ago. So I think we're going to see ups and I think we're going to see downs. I really think gaming is going to be a big proponent of the next cycle. But in regards to the next five years, I think we're going to start to see a lot more integration of AR. I think we're going to start to see a lot more integration people using blockchain technology but not realizing they're using it you know what i mean like i don't think people yes, actually do. realize they have nfts but they'll technically have nfts i see a lot of that happening and you know i think right now art is going to somewhat stay kind of like that initial kind of home base for nfts at the moment but i think as gaming and as we start to see more and more industries jump in and start utilizing this technology i think we're going to see that you know there's going to be a lot more applications and things are going to start expanding way farther outside of the realm of just art yes that's something that will be present in our in our daily life for sure thank you so much for this discussion uh, mason of course and for My pleasure. i know you're very busy and uh, it was a pleasure and honor to to have you here uh, have you here today this is uh this has been such a great conversation and I, I look forward to do more i'm looking forward to seeing it on spotify and whenever you guys you know want to have me on just let me know I'd love to come chat oh you're here at home and uh you can come uh come on the podcast uh, whenever you want sounds good well uh let's do this again soon oh for sure yeah with pleasure awesome thank you so much uh, mason of course bye of course bye